You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. All right, we're going to continue to talk about living a life worthy of your calling. You can open your Bibles, if you would, over to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. We're still in verse 1. Uh, again, we're not really going to cover the whole chapter, but we are going to be looking at a bit of it. So um, we're here in Ephesians 4, 1, and we've been really the last couple of weeks as we've gotten into this series, uh, we've, we've just been talking. This verse says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you and beg you to walk or lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. And so we've been we've talked for the last couple of weeks primarily just about what this particular term calling means because again we're going to look at a different word today for calling if I get that far. But there are, you know, the English word calling appears in several places in our Bibles, but there are different Greek words that are translated calling like there are with many things in our Bibles, and those different Greek words each have a different connotation. I'm actually, we're going to look at some definitions today, and we're going to begin to talk about what it means to walk worthy. It's that word worthy that I think a lot of us get hung up on because our only reference for worthy is that we have to be good enough. I have to be good enough, you know, and and like Andy just talked about, we're not in that. Sometimes we get off the idea that our worthiness as far as God's acceptance of us and God's love for us and us being children of God and all that sort of thing, that's all. It is just by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not by anything we do or could do. We can't earn that. We never could earn that. The whole Old Testament and the system of sacrifice, like Andy just talked to us about, it was all there to show us that we can't earn it. it it's impossible. It doesn't work that way. We need a Savior. Okay, but we live on this side of the cross and we have that savior. We've accepted that savior. And so we're going to look at what this term worthy means today. But I wanted to preface this just a little bit with, you know, when I start getting, I I love definitions because they help me identify what the Bible's saying. But um, I think that one thing that we need to understand is that we live in a culture that now for a number of decades has been uh, moving, it's this whole postmodernism deal and moving into uh, universalism and the, these different ideas that, and, and what that means is we've, we've moved into a place where we're redefining words like crazy in our language. Uh, and I'll just use the word love as an example. Um, we've gone from a, a, an understanding that love or the love of God in particular is a self-sacrificial love. It is a love that gives itself away. It's the love that thinks of the other person first. It's it's a love that um, really looks to make another person's life better. Uh, that's, That's what God's love toward us and God's love in us is like. But now we've turned that word into a very, for the most part, very selfish connotation. It's all about what I can get out of a relationship. And is this relationship the best for me. It's really turned around. We still call that love. We call, uh, of course, the Greek language, there are a number of different terms that are translated with the one word love in our Bibles. But, uh, you know, we call, we say a relationship where actually, and again, this is no condemnation. It's just there 
where we're actually drawing somebody into sin in a sexual relationship outside of marriage, whatever it might be, we're actually causing a person to sin and we're saying, I love you. Well, we're not loving a person when we make their life worse, okay? But we still use the term love. I could go through a number of terms that just in my brief lifetime um, have changed meaning in our society. And so when we look at the Bible, we really want to go back and see what did the Holy Spirit, what was the word that the Holy Spirit chose to describe this for us? And the, one of the reasons we want to do that, again, that's, um, I believe that Jesus came, that, that there was such a setup on the time that he came, that God had put so many things in place, and one of them was the Greek language. It is such a nuanced, amazing language compared to what we speak, compared to English. And again, there are f- at least five different words, Greek words, with little different connotations that we translate as love. It's that way with almost everything. And it's that way with calling. There are at least two different Greek words with different connotations that are translated calling. So anyway, the reason we do so much of this, the reason we want to dig in, we want to look at root words, we want to look at that stuff, is so we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us, okay, and not make assumptions based on what we think these words mean. So uh, I want to talk today about this word, worthy, and what it means in the context of this scripture, that he's, he's begging us to lead a life that's worthy of this divine calling. We've talked for a couple of weeks now about the fact that this calling, this kind of calling, it's an invitation to everyone to enter into God's presence. It's an invitation from the king to come to a banquet, is how the word was used at that time, to come and enjoy a huge banquet. It's that kind of calling. It's for everybody. It's not talking about being called to full-time ministry. It's not being, you know, those types of things that we think about a lot. Um, That's not what this one means. This is a very broad term, and it is an invitation. Come be with me. Come Uh, eat at my table, come enjoy the blessing that I have provided for you. And so Paul is coming along here and he's saying, I want you, I'm begging you to lead a life that's worthy of that calling. So the root word here in worthy, and, and even in English, it's the word worth, right? When we think of what something's worth, we think of its value. So that's part of it. This, this word, this root word, means weight, something that has weight or value, okay? I told you some of this last week. This word was used to describe a balance scale. And so something was put on one side of the balance scale. Something was put on the other side of the balance scale until there were equal weights or equal values to the two. So what are those two things? Those two are the the value or the weight, the significance of the calling that we have received. And then our life is to match that. Our life is to reflect that value, that worth, that significance. Our life is to equal that. It is to represent that in the earth. Um, we talk a lot of times about, in fact, Jesus said that when we bear much fruit through relationship with him, right? Vine and the branches discussion in John 15. 
when we bear much fruit, we bring glory to the Father. That word glory throughout the Bible, part of the connotation of that word is weight. It's when we say we give glory to God, the literal translation of that is that we make God heavy with our praise or we make God heavy with esteem by the way that we live. Does that make sense to you? It's we are pouring something out on God. This term glory, it's about weight. It's about significance. When, um, when God, uh, that, that word glory is the picture of the very essence of who God is, his character, his nature being displayed, being manifested. When the glory of God comes into a place, when the glory of God comes upon people, there is a, there is a spiritual recognition. It's unmistakable of some aspect or a number of aspects of who God is. When we're in a great time of worship together, many times we just sense the presence of God almost like, like a weight coming up coming upon us. Not an uncomfortable weight, just a a weight. I don't know how else to say it. And and in that our spirit will recognize God's goodness or God's mercy or God's justice or God's um sometimes in that moment we feel the need to repent. We feel the need. We can we can see the imbalance between something we've been doing or feeling or saying or whatever, some sin in our life, and, and who God is, his holiness. A lot of times there's a recognition of his holiness when we're in a really great time in his presence. And it's liberating because we have the freedom and we have the, we have the blessing of repentance. We can turn around there. We can say, oh God, I'm sorry. I want to get that right. Help me. And the grace of God will be there to lift us out of that place. So this term, Glory has to do with with this weight. God wants, or with this term worthy, God wants our lives to bring glory to God. God wants our lives to manifest his character and the essence. You're going to have to tell me if this is making sense. What's on the one side of the scale is what God has done, who he is and what he's done. It's everything that's contained in our salvation. On the other side of the scale is our life and what he intends through his grace and through the relationship that we have with him is for our life to manifest what's on the other side of the scale. Does that make sense? Anybody besides Karen? She always understands. Okay. So so this term worthy, it's not, I just want you to see it's not about oh man, you know, I didn't do all the right things this week or or there's this issue in my life. A lot of us, you know, there's an issue in my life and I'm struggling with it, I'm working with it, I'm, I'm, I'm inviting God into it, but it's still there. I struggle with this sin, I struggle with this attitude, I struggle with this or that. It's not, it's not just about that. And, and don't let yourself, don't let yourself say, feel unworthy because everything isn't perfect in your life. This is, this word is about a whole lot more than that. It's about God wanting to bring all that he is and all that he's done out in us. We, we use this term worth 
in the sense that we'll often say, wow, that was really, that was really difficult or that was really challenging, but man, was it worth it. You know, this was hard to do, but boy, it was worth it. And what are we doing there? We are comparing two things. We're putting, we're thinking about our time and our investment into whatever it is, exercise, whatever it is. But man, was it worth it. You know, we're comparing these two things. So, so this term worthy, it's a comparative term. It means two things have equal value or they have a direct correlation to each other. Okay, they can, they clearly represent each other somebody looks at our life, they can, they can see a part of who God is. Everybody understand none of us individually, you know, manifest all of God. I think we'd just sizzle if that happened. Two things that correspond to one another, okay? But here's the, here's the thing, living worthily. Okay, I'll just, just read this to you from my notes means that our practical everyday life is an outgrowth of our true spiritual identity as God's children. What his side of the scale has done is brought us into the kingdom. It has invited us, it has called us into this life with him. And so this, this term, living worthily, it means our life is demonstrating the fact that we're children of God, that we are partners with him in his kingdom. And that's something a lot of Christians don't get. They think we're just called to be worshipers at a distance. Okay? We're called into a face-to-face with God. He has done it. He has made us his children. He has done this through the blood of Jesus Christ. All right? It's okay to be excited about that. It's okay to be happy about that. It's okay to accept that fact for yourself. It's okay, all right? This term worthily means we share his priorities in the earth, in the way that we live. And, and I want you to, we're going to talk about this term today, that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Okay, we're part of the family. We're partners with him in his kingdom and what he's doing in this earth, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And I understand that all of those terms blow all of us away all the time, and they will for the rest of our lives. That's okay, as long as we don't exempt ourselves and reject ourselves based on how we feel about ourselves. It's just one of those things. And, and I think the Holy Spirit speaks it to us over and over and over, and it's like, you know... Just being a child of God, I mean, the Bible says right now we're children of God. It's not even revealed what we're going to be. That's an amazing statement. I mean, what could be more than that, you know? But, but that's what it says. It says we're co-laborers with him. It says we're, we are, uh, well, we'll look at that. Anyway, let's just move on. I could, I could stay on that for the rest of the morning. Go over with me to First uh, Corinthians for just a minute. First Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. The reason we're looking at this, because I, I want you to get the nature of what this calling is about. What are we called to be? What are we participating? We just gave a list there. But I, you know, children of God, partners in his kingdom. These verses, this is from the Amplified Bible. And I included verse 8 because it's just too good not to. It says, and he 
will establish you. He will establish you. Keep you to the end. Keep you steadfast. Give you strength. And guarantee your vindication. Guarantee your vindication. That means when the accuser comes at you with something, it is Jesus who guarantees your vindication in that situation. Why? Because it's not your vindication, your justification, your righteousness is not based on you. It's based on him and his work. All right. He will guarantee your vindication. He will be your warrant against all accusation or indictment so that you will be guiltless and irreproachable in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That means that as Christians, we don't have anything to fear from the judgment of God because Jesus has already taken our sin upon himself, right? God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise, and he can be depended on. By him you were called into companionship and participation. Okay, companion, those two words, they, they, they go together. They are one thing, companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ. This is a different Greek word translated called. It is the word we usually talk about, kaleo, K-A-L-E-O. And, and this word, it is an invitation, but it's an invitation that carries the weight of authority. It is, it is, uh, it is an invitation from uh would be a good example. It's an invitation from the governor to come before him. It is an invitation from the king to appear in his presence. So it's an invitation, but it carries the weight of authority. It's a summons. And it is those two things together, which we don't even have that concept in English. It's one or the other. Either I'm being invited to court or I'm being summoned to court, right? <laughs> but, in, but in this language, that's what it was. It is both. It's the king doing the inviting. You really shouldn't refuse. It is a summons, okay? But it is an invitation, all right? So that, that invitation, that summons is to, and th then this, this word, you know, companionship and participation, it just comes from the word koinonia, which we use. It's the word we get communion from. It's the word we get fellowship from. It's this Greek word that, that we get a lot of different terms from, but what it means, it's this combination of companionship, participation, and fellowship. It's like the combination of loving friendship and active participation or working together. It's this combination together. And that's what we're called to. That's what we are called into. That's what we are invited into in this life. So again, we were never called to be distant worshipers. We were never called to stand at a distance from God and just, just worship him. And that's not what he ever intended. He created man to co-labor with him. We made some other decisions, but he made a way for us to, to come back to this place of fellowship. All right. So, so it's not just companionship. It's not just service. It's a combination of those two. All right. This is what we've been invited into. We are co-workers or joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Everybody get that? We are co-workers or joint heirs with Jesus Christ. All right, so let's go over to Romans chapter 8, and let's look at that. Let's just pick that apart a little bit. 
This whole idea of being a joint heir with Christ. This is an amazing idea. You know, again, we said living worthily means that our everyday life is demonstrating that we are co-laborers with God. We are joint heirs with God. Our everyday life, we live it differently because this is who we are. We are heirs together with Christ. All right, so let's go to Romans chapter 8. You getting anything out of this? Romans chapter 8, let's start in verse 14. I guess I have the NIV up here. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. All right, let's stop there. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. That word led, little tiny word, A-G-O, ago, and it means to guide by accompanying. Okay, and I was thinking about this because um, a lot of times we talk about the Bible and we say it's like an instruction manual, and in some sense that's true. But what God didn't do was say, okay, here's the life I want for you. I want this abundant life for you, okay? Jesus came to give us an abundant life, John 10, 10. So, so okay, here's how to do that. Read my book, read my brochure, okay, and follow it. That's not what he did. That's not what being led by the Spirit of God means. Being led by the Spirit of God, it is a guided tour through life. You have a guide that goes with you. You know, sometimes we go to some place and um, they, they have self-guided tours, right? You just go from sign to sign to sign to sign. You read about it, it tells you where to go next. You read about what happened there, it tells you where to go next. That's how a lot of believers live their life. They're looking for sign after sign after sign. God gives us signs sometimes, but the signs point to him. And, and it's a whole different thing. We are with a guide who accompanies. He walks down the road with us, specifically what this word led means. And again, it's not even the idea that somebody could be leading you and they could be so far ahead that you, you, know, you, can't, you can barely see them. Do you ever try to follow somebody <laughs> through traffic who knew where they were going and you didn't? And you got caught at a light and they didn't and they just kept going or whatever, you know? Uh, it was worse before cell phones. But anyway, you know, sometimes somebody's so far ahead that you're thinking, I don't think I can ever catch up. I don't think I can keep up. This isn't that, all right? This is walking arm in arm with the Holy Spirit. He says those... those um, who are led by the Spirit of God. You're going along. You're being accompanied by the Spirit of God, and that's available to all of us, are the sons of God. That word sons means adult children who partner together with the Father in business. They're adult kids that are working with the Father. That's what this word means. There are other words for children and for infants and for all these different things. This one has this idea of co-laboring. Partner, you're a partner in God's business on the earth. And God's business on the earth is reaching the world. It's reaching people. You have a role in it. I have a role in it. We are all partners with him. We're, we, we are called into this position. I mean, that's a pretty big honor when you think about it, to be called into this position. So those who are led by the Spirit of God, they're, they're the adult children of God who are partnering with him in his business. All right? For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. So the Holy Spirit isn't there to bring you into slavery. If 
fact, the scripture says wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, right? So he's, it's, our relationship is not such that you're just being told what to do and you dang well better do it. That's not the relationship he's looking for. You know, no doubt he's the head of the company, okay? I mean, no doubt he's in charge, but he doesn't want this to be a, a, a fearful you know, again, here's this term fear that has all these different connotations. We are absolutely to fear God in the sense we hold great him in great reverence. You know, we bow our knee to him. I mean, no question about that. But he doesn't want you to be driven by fear. If I make a mistake, God's going to clobber me. You know, if I make a mistake, God's just waiting. And a lot of us grew up with that. I mean, we literally were told that God's just waiting. And they didn't say it this way, but this is the way it came across. I didn't go to Catholic school. But, you know, you always hear the stories about, you know, the nuns with the rulers. (laughs) Whacking people. Well, that was a representation for people who went through that of what, you know, how God was, how their father God was. And that's just not who he is. We, the Holy Spirit does not come in to drive you by fear. He comes in to guide you and to accompany you along the road. You get that? Okay. And by him, oh, I don't want to miss that. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. We're going to come back to that. Some of your translations say a spirit of adoption, right? We're going to come back. That's an awesome term right there. And by him, by the Holy Spirit who lives in us, we cry, Abba, Father. It means spiritual daddy. We, we, we call God daddy. We, we, you know, we have this intimate father-child relationship with him says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. There's a lot we could say about that, but I don't have time today. Now, if we are children, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So let's just pick that last part apart and then I'll I'll let you go for today. I think this is probably as far as we'll get today. But let's just pick this apart. There's a whole lot in this, in these verses. So first of all, this, this verse says that, that we have not received the uh, spirit to make you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. The, Paul used a really specific, and I just want to read you some of these notes that I have on this. Um, he used a really specific word here. It was a technical legal term, a Greek term about adoption. All right, and some of this we understand, but I want you to think about this in the context of your relationship with God and, and what has happened with your relationship with God. It was a technical term, was used only by Paul. None of the other writers in the New Testament used it. He used it five times about our relationship with God, a spirit of adoption or that we were adopted as sons, all right? So let me just read this to you. It's easier than me trying to tell you. Paul in these passages is alluding to a Greek and Roman custom rather than a Hebrew one. The Hebrew idea of adoption was different than the Greek and Roman. This word was a technical term in Roman law for an act that had specific legal and social effect. Why do I care? Because 
you have an accuser out there that wants to throw thoughts into your head day and night that you are not a child of God, that you're not part of the family, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you blew it last week, you blew it today, boy, you just did that again. The, the devil is an accuser. He is, that is his nature, is to accuse. And if he can get you to believe that stuff, then you will live that way. You will live like you are uh, a, a servant in another part of the household, but not part of the family. You're not welcome to come to the table. You're not, you're not as good as your brothers and sisters in Christ. You are different. You are subservient. You are less than. And if he can get you to believe that stuff, and especially if you grew up with that idea about yourself already, and in your family, it might have been that way. You might have been treated that way. A lot of people grow up with those kinds of things. And God is going to be working in you to raise you up into a new reality about who you are because you will live from your identity. And if we are not living out of the idea that we are the children of God, we are partners with him in his kingdom, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If we are not living out of those realities, we're going to live way below what God has for us. Does that make sense to you? I mean, this is important. Anything that goes to identity is just hugely important. And I know working with people that so often when you're working with something they're really struggling with or a big failure or something like that, it goes back to something inherent in them about the way they view themselves. And so we, we live to the level of how we see our identity. We just, we all do. Okay, so it had specific, this term, adoption, had specific legal and social effects, legal effects. So when the accuser comes and stands up and accuses you, there is a legal term here in the spirit realm. I am a child of God. I am a member of his household. And you, devil, have no right, no authority to speak into my life in Jesus' name get it? It's legal. And that legality will be held in the court of heaven every time. All right. You have been justified. You have been lifted up. You, so you get it. All right. And here's what it did. Adoption put a person in every respect in the position of a son by birth. In every respect, you have been put into a position of a child of God by birth. Gosh, there's a lot we can say about that. So that he possessed the same rights and owed the same obligations as a child by birth in the household. So it wasn't even just all about wasn't even just all about the fact that I have the same rights. And who's the only child by birth? It's Jesus. So yep, that's the comparison we're making. Everybody understand you're never going to be Jesus. You're not the firstborn. You you get that? Okay. But we've been brought this is just stunning. This is just stunning. But this is what the scripture says about believers. We have been brought into the family 
and we have the same position. We stand in the same position. We have the same rights. And we owe the same obligations. We owe the same obligations. That's where this partnership with God and his kingdom comes in. What does this mean? It doesn't mean that I'm just the, I'm just the spoiled brat kid who doesn't participate in the family, who never sets the table or never washes a dish and just leaves my stuff all over and expects somebody else to clean up after me. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to. Never mind. That's something. But I don't want to get off this. No time for joking. I have the same obligations. The son is fully engaged in reaching and displaying the love of God to people. The Holy Spirit is fully engaged in, in trying to draw people into this abundant life. I need to be fully engaged in that. I have the same obligations and I have the same empowerment. I have the Holy Spirit living in me, not to be like one of you, not to be like somebody else, not to be like some fancy preacher somewhere or whatever it is that you might you know, put on some pedestal, which we shouldn't do anyway, in the body of Christ, but to be who God is calling me and causing me and lifting me to be, to be that part of the body, to be the best big toe I can be, you know, to be the best whatever, nose hair that I can be, you know, uh, to be that part of the body that God's called me to be. I'm just about done here. Being a, it's the term huias, a son, involves the conformity of the child that has the life of God in him to the image, purposes, and interests of God and that spiritual family into which he was born. Let me say this again. Being a son involves conformity. All right, you don't make this happen. You connect with God and he changes you inwardly. But we are to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what God's doing in us. He's making us more like himself every day if, if we're walking with him, if we're being led, if we are letting him accompany us on our road. So it involves the conformity of the child that has the life of God in him to the image of God, the purposes of God, and the interests of God and to the family of God. Those are, when we talk about obligations, we are to be a part of the family. Is this making sense to you? We are to be being conformed to his image. And the wonderful thing, remember what we talked about grace last week? It is the grace of God. We are both called and brought into that calling. That calling is worked out in us all by the grace of God. This doesn't mean we have to make all this happen. I just want to strike you. I just want to strike you. That's, that's just, no, that was a different day. Uh, I just want to strike you with the, the weight, the, the amazing call that we have in our life, the amazing opportunity that we have, what God has done. So many people, oh, they just sell being a believer is so short. They they just think it's about, um, you know, just just doing the right things over and over. And it's just, this is so, there's so much participation to this, so much love to this. I just, I don't have the words. I just hope, 
you're getting it. This is an incredible honor to be invited to this banquet. And there are responsibilities that go with it. There are absolutely responsibilities that go with it. But what, what else have we got to do in this life but walk with God in whatever it is we do? In whatever it is we do, God has this incredible plan for every one of us. Okay? So let me just very quickly give you the rest of this. An inheritance includes the assets of the family and often the family business itself. Okay? So again, it's the same idea. Yeah, we're walking in a lot of blessing, but we are also, we are also walking in, we are partners in the the family business. Now, let me just give you this word suffering and we'll be done. So then it goes on. It says, if indeed, this is all true for us, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. All right. So for a lot of us, we read that. And if we don't know any better, then we think that that just means every bad thing that happens in life, God's doing that to me to uh, for one reason or another, to train me, to teach me, what, whatever it might be. This word suffering talks about a sharing in the sufferings of Christ. All right, so what did Jesus suffer? You have to ask yourself, what did he suffer? Well, the things that he suffered were persecution, right? He suffered persecution. He, was, he suffered the weight, if I can say it that way, of loving people so much. Remember when he sat outside of Jerusalem and said, I have just longed to be able to gather all of you under my wings like a hen would gather her chicks. I have longed to draw you in and yet you've taken this other stance. There was, you can, you can, as you watch Jesus go along, you can see the times that he's out there with the Father praying. You can see what he's doing. He's, there is a weight to what he's doing in this earth. And this word suffering literally means to share in the experiences of another, both good and bad. It means to share an experience. And it means to share both good and bad. We always put it in the bad context. We always think uh, this term means to be affected the same way by outward pressures, to have the same passions and the same feelings. So when it says, if you, as long as you share in his sufferings, it means you're going to feel the things. You're going to feel his heart. And that is not always easy. He grieves over people a lot of times. You're going to have the same kinds of pressures. You're going to have outward pressures. You're going to have people reject you because they reject Jesus. You're going to have people persecute you because they persecute Jesus. You're going to have those kinds of things that come into your life. Those were the things. It's not talking about getting sick. It's not talking about, um, you know, losing your job. It's not talking about poverty. Those are things he carried for us not what he suffered in the earth. It's saying, if we're walking down the road with him, we are going to have the same passions. We're going to have the same, we're going to be affected by things the same way he is. We're going to have, we're going to experience some rejection. Honestly, get over it. I mean, I'd really rather have God's approval than people's approval, you know? So anyway, don't want to encourage anybody to be hard-hearted, but sometimes it's like, you know what? Not everybody's going to love you. Get over it. Okay, I'm trying to stay, stay nice, all right? 
We're going to be grieved over some of the same things. I'll, I'll just leave with this. We're going to experience, sometimes we're going to experience the same rejection, provocation, persecution that Jesus did. But this means to experience life in the same way as another, both good and bad. That means we're also going to experience his joy in his heart. We're going to experience his peace. We're going to experience the victory that he has. We're going to experience, we're going to go through and experience things in the same way, in the same way. So this is all part of being a joint heir. We receive, we are heirs together with Christ. We receive everything that goes along with the household of God, everything that goes along with it the blessing, the obligations, the work, the, you know, all of it that goes on. Does this make sense? I was, I looked at her because she'll tell me yes and say be done. All right, let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just, I just pray today, Lord, that for all of us, not just this morning, but as we go forward in life, that these, these truths, these kinds of things that you have said about us, would engage our hearts, would go deep down in our hearts. We would be marked by them, that our understanding of who you are and what you have done and who we are as a result would set the stage for our values and our standards and our pursuits in life. Lord, that understanding who we are as we go out this week into our jobs and into relationships with people and any challenges that we're going to face, we go out there as children of God, as those who are a part of the family. We are considered, we are viewed by you, Lord, as being established, born in children of God. And Father, I pray that as we go out then, Lord, we carry your presence. We carry your character. We carry your DNA. And Lord, we are able to release it. We are able to breathe it into this community, into our lives, into our surroundings today, Lord. And we ask you to bring those opportunities to us, Father, to release the life and the love of God into people around us this week. Lord, we thank you for it. I ask you to open up, show us, Father, what our role is, what our part is, what our part is on a daily basis. Show us what we're doing. Show us the business. Show us what you're about, Lord, what you're doing in this valley. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I hope you got something out of that. Let's uh, stand up and pray together. We'll be released. And as always, I think, you know, we're just going to keep doing this. We open up these doors and you can head out this way. If you need to go sign up for Parents' Day Out, though, Go on out that direction and, and sign up. It's out on the front table. Okay, let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world and will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.